You may be seated. Hey, you guys did an awesome job. Let's put our hands together to the worship team. You know, they serve the church every week. You probably have one or two teams, but every week they come here. I had the privilege of coming early in the morning and to early tonight, and they are worshiping, preparing, and then praying and believing that something will happen as we together worship God. That's so powerful. They, they really do a great job, and, uh, and we are part of that worship. Uh, it's not just them worshiping. We're all part of that worship, and we worship together. It's not just one single person or just the worship team. We are part of the worship team. We make the worship uh, reach new heights as together we worship. The power is in that worship. By the way, thank you for a warm welcome today. Thank you for an uh, incredible, wonderful day in Gladstone. Gladstone, you know, from Thailand, when we look at Gladstone, we wonder where it is. But it's here on the soil of Australia, and it's an important town, and you people have called it home. And, uh, and uh, you know, every time I come here, I fall in love with Gladstone a little bit more and a little bit more. And uh, it's a beautiful place, and uh, God is doing amazing things here. I had the opportunity of going out last night uh, from 10.30 to 1.30 into the city, and uh, I was a, a water bottle man. They're carrying all those water bottles and giving them to the people there who were partially drunk or fully drunk and or were wobbly. You know, one person was lying down. I said, I feel a little bit wobbly on my feet. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, but, you know, I saw miracles there, you know, the miracle of a smile. We went there, and we say, hey, how are you? And, uh, you know, some people came and asked for the water, but as we gave the water, you know, they, they saw the smile on our face, and uh, we greeted them, and, uh, and then a smile came on their face because somebody cared for them without any strings attached. And miracles happened, connections happened there last night, and people, uh, people opening their hearts. That was amazing, actually, last night, seeing people all of a sudden open their hearts, you know. There's a harvest field out there. It's an incredible harvest field. You know, Jesus said that to his disciples, you know, the, har the, the fields are ripe unto harvest. The fields are ripe unto harvest. The uh, disciples could not see that Samaria was ripe unto harvest. And sometimes as a church, we don't see that the harvest field is right there in, the, in front of us. And I believe there's an incredible harvest field in this city that we are to go and harvest. That's why it says, pray unto the Lord of harvest that he will send out laborers. You start praying unto the Lord of harvest that he will send out uh, laborers, and in no time you will be out there bringing in the harvest because your, your heart will get captured by what is capturing his heart. His heart is captured by the harvest field. He died so that all men will be saved. The saving grace of Jesus Christ will be uh, brought out to the people who don't know Jesus. So that was fantastic last night. I enjoyed it. I would do it again, but I have to move on. <laughs> but maybe next time I can do it again. I loved every moment of it. And, uh, and so that was good. Thank you for taking me there. Thank you for allowing me to be part of what your church is doing. By the way, this church is doing incredible things. I want to say th thank you on behalf of my wife, who's not here today. She's in Brisbane, just came from an incredible time in Thailand and, uh, and stayed back with the family. And, and I want to say a thank you to you guys. 
thank you for being part of what God is doing in Thailand. The Thai people want to say thank you. It is true that one day we'll stand in the in the front of Jesus and and the Father and the angels and and you know we'll be celebrating there one million years probably where we don't have time in heaven and and and, and there will be people you know they'll be yay tall and and they'll come and say to you thank you and you wonder well what are you saying thank you for they say thank you for praying thank you for giving i'm here today because of what you have done i'm here today saved for eternity i'm here today because of your life it's not at the amount you give it's the heart from where you give you're part of something bigger than yourself. This church is a lot bigger than what you realize. This church is not the 30, 40, 50 people we have here tonight. This church is a lot bigger than this here right now. It is being reproduced in Thailand right now. It's in, in Cambodia where we are also starting networking now. Also in Philippines and, and India and different parts of the world. You are part of something a lot bigger than yourself. It's exciting. Is it exciting? Yeah, yeah. You can nod your head if you want to. You don't have to, but you could. It may make your life really exciting. You know, and, and you are part of something incredible. And, and, uh, and that, at least to me, gets excited. I get excited about that because uh, I, be, by the grace of God, being allowed to be part of something bigger. So thank you. I've got a little video clip that we might have a look and it's just part of our work in Thailand, part of what you are part of in Thailand.
Thank you, Port City Church. Thank you to you. Your life is making a difference. And it's changing lives to many parts of the world, including Gladstone. This evening, I want to talk about something that I feel very passionate about. Is it all right to be passionate? It's okay? You want to join me? Now join me and be a bit of passionate, you know, be a little bit out there. Our team is very passionate. You could show, uh, see them. Yeah. I wish I could just take you there for a moment. And, and it's catching. Being passionate catches, you know. It's not taught, but it's caught. Passion is caught. And so be passionate about the things of God and, and uh, just take you to the kids' church. You know, we get up to 100 kids coming on a Saturday to kids' church, 40, 50 young people coming on a Friday night. You know, and Sunday we, we get up to 100 people coming. We've seen growth, incredible growth. And uh, around 300 people is touched by the river on every weekend. But the passion that is there, the passion for praise, uh, jumping up and being excited about what Jesus has done in their lives and not only excited what he has done what he's doing and what he will do see it's very hard to be passionate unless you see what he's going to do it's very hard to be the passion unless you say oh there's a greater day is ahead of us it's very hard to be passionate if you're not seeing that wow there is an incredible move of God coming and once you you Feel that in your spirit, once it becomes part of you, you can see it, sense it, you can feel it. I remember before going to Thailand, I used to go to a mountaintop uh, in, uh, in Brisbane, Gatton, close to Gatton. There's a prayer mountain there. Some people had built a big prayer mountain. Every Friday, I would drive there before going to Thailand. And, and I, I'd, I'd drive there for an hour from Brisbane, and then I'd walk for half an hour. It'd be dark by the time I go there. I was a bit scared sometimes, you know, a bit of noise in the, in the forest, you know, and the snakes and all of those things in narrow walk, narrow way up to a place to be with God. It was black, as black night can be. I didn't have a flashlight. And the mobile phones in those days did not have a little flashlight like they had today. Anyway, I remember sitting there night after night and saying, God, give me a passion for the lost souls. Give me a passion, your heart for the lost souls. Father, give me eyes for the lost souls. And every night I'd go there and pray. This is before going to Thailand. I realized unless I have the passion for lost souls, I have no need to go to Thailand. There is no need to become a book missionary, your missionary because you have gone there to Thailand. I need to have his passion in his heart. I'm going there on a mission. It is not my mission. It is his mission. Therefore, if I go on his mission, I have to capture his heart to be on his mission. And I remember one night I'm sitting there. They had a little, they had dug out from the ground little seating places. And I'm sitting, it's pitch dark. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, God, fill me with your passion. And all of a sudden, like a lightning from heaven came. And it came straight into here, into my spirit. And I felt like I'm going to burst. And all of a sudden, I started screaming and crying. I'm alone now, so they don't think I'm going berserk. I'm alone there. Maybe the kangaroos thought that, but I'm Oh, God! 
I cried and I cried and I, I screamed. And all of a sudden, the passion for the lost world started to fill my heart. The, the anguish of people going to hell started to fill my heart. The fires of hell, I could see them in my spirit. And I said, God, help me to become your extension so that not one person will be lost who I get in contact with. The passion filled and, and it stretched me so much. I thought I'm going to burst in my, in my chest and my, my whole upper body. And I said, God, no more. I'm going to die in this place if you fill me with more, any more passion than this. Just please stop, God. Please stop. And I walked away that night totally changed with the passion for the lost. Try it. It will change you. Ask him to give his heart for the lost. See what happens. See how it changes the way you speak, the way you think, the way you speak, the way you, you, you do your daily activities. Everything will, be ch everything will change. Your eyesight will see change. So what you do and you, how you see things will all be transformed because it's now all about his heart. And the things that move his heart now are moving your heart. And it is with this passion that we left over 23 years ago to Thailand. That passion has never died. That passion is still alive tonight. And it was that passion that took me to the city last night and see that harvest field. There is a harvest field in Gladstone. There's a harvest field on your street. There's a harvest field of all the people that God has put around you that don't know Jesus. I wanted to ask you to close your eyes right now. Because there's an anointing and the presence of God for you to see the harvest field. He has put you in that field. You are in that field already. You're not outside of that field. You are in that field. But can you see the harvest? Can you see the people around that are going to hell without Jesus? But they have an opportunity to change the course of their life because of your life in there. Can you see the harvest field? Can you see the people you will meet tomorrow? Father, I thank you that right now, even in the beginning of what I will share, you will put a passion like we've never had before. A passion for the lost soul. A burden for the lost soul. That burden that took you from heaven to earth to die on the cross and to suffer on that cross and on the third day rise up victoriously so that the tomb is empty today. And that passion that took you to that place so that all men will be saved. Father, I thank you that right now our eyesights are opened up to the people around us. Our eyesight see the opportunity to bring the gospel of Jesus to them, the good news of Jesus. I thank you for that. I thank you for the incredible miracle that will happen tonight in our hearts, in our minds, in our eyesight, in our understanding, so that we can be on that harvest field. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to all stand up.
I want to read from the Word of God. In Acts 2, it talks about, it's a picture of the church at the end times. This is what the church will look at the end times. This is what the church will go in the end times. The birth of the church uh, in Acts 2, in uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came down. I'm going to read a few verses from here. In Acts 2, uh, the Holy Spirit had come down upon the people in the upper room. They were all in the upper room, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them individually, and they started to speak in tongues, and it was like tongues of fire upon them. And then as they came out, they were so filled with the Holy Spirit that they thought they were drunk. Uh, people thought they were drunk, and they, 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 they heard them speaking all these different languages. Uh, everyone understood the message of Christ. There was a miracle happening right there. They spoke the language of the people who had come there, because people had come from the known world, from all over the place, and they were speaking their dialect in their language. And, and all this commotion going on, and the incredible move of God that was all going on. Peter stood up in Acts 2 verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles, spoke in a loud and clear voice to the crowd. By the way, I'm so happy it's this cloud, because that allows me to speak a loud voice in this church. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you, thank you. Uh, because the Bible says Jesus spoke in a loud voice. Peter speaks in a loud voice, and, and when I get excited, you know, the voice comes up. I've seen moms and dads, when they get excited about their children not doing the right thing, their voices go up, and uh, they don't spare the voice. Anyway, here Peter was talking to the crowd. Friends and everyone else, in living, uh, else living in Jerusalem, listen carefully to what I have to say. You are wrong in thinking that these people are drunk, because the people thought they were drunk. After all, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Come on, guys. No one's drunk in the 9 o'clock. Uh, 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, 5 a.m., but not 9 a.m. No one's been drinking all night, and they are not drunk in the morning. But this is what, the, what God had Prophet Joel, Joel say. When the last days come, are we in the last days? Yeah. Is this for us? Yeah. yeah. When the last days come. Say to your neighbor, when the last days come. When the last, I say to your neighbor, look, look at them in your eye and say, when the last days come, when the last days have come, when the days, last days come, I will, Joel, the prophet Joel spoke, I will give my spirit to everyone. Look at the neighbor and say to everyone. That includes you. That includes you. I will give my spirit to everyone. You guys too. I will give my spirit to everyone. It's all inclusive. It's not just some, you're, you're included, you're not included. No, 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 no. To everyone. I will give my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Are you a son and a daughter today? Is there anybody who's not a son and a daughter today here? Anybody? We are all sons and daughters. You all have moms and dads? Yeah? So we're all sons and daughters, okay? We just get this correct, you know? All inclusive. In the last days, your sons and your daughters, it just not, does not only mean our sons and daughters, your children or my children. We are also children. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. All inclusive. Your young men will see visions. Young men will see visions. Young men, young women 
non-gender. We'll see visions. Young man, you will see visions. Young man, you will. Anybody under sort of 50 will see visions. Uh, oh, well, I don't know where the cutting point off is in Gladstone. You're, the older I get, the, the cutoff point for young and old gets higher and higher. Uh, soon it'll be around 60. But anyway, what's, what's young for you guys? What's young for you? 18, come on, CJ. What's, what's young? 24? You're 24? Yeah. What's young for you? 30. Thank you. Come on, let's creep it up. What's young for you? About 58. Oh, yeah, come on. That's, that's my kind of a man. But your young men, whatever the age is, they will have visions. Your young men and women, they will have vision. They will see something. They will be visionaries. They will be driven by something that they see. Young men will see visions. Your old men, anybody in that category? Your old men, don't put your hands up. No, no, you can't. Your old men will have dreams. Your old women and men will have dreams. It's not might have dreams. It's not might have visions. It will happen in the last days. This is the pouring of the Holy Spirit. They will have dreams. In those days I will give my spirit to my servants, both men and women, and they will prophesy. It's all inclusive. It takes in the whole church. It talks to all of us. It's not just some people will prophesy. We all will prophesy. In the last days, every generation. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that as we look at this word and we study it, something will pop up from there. Something that is of a revelation to our life will pop out of there. Something that will transform our thinking and the way we do life will come out of these verses because it was given for the last days. We live in the last days. We know that you want to do something incredible through this generation, the generation that we live in. I thank you, Father, that we can be a generation that prophesy. I thank you that we can be a generation that have visions. I thank you that we can be a generation that have dreams. I thank you that we are the generation that will see a mighty harvest come in, Father, so that this generation will not be lost, but this generation will be known as the generation who came to know Jesus in Gladstone, in Thailand, in around Australia. I thank you for what you are doing. I thank you that you're waking us to what you want to do. You're waking our spirits and you take us out of our comfort boxes and comfort zones so that we may walk into the miraculous of you, Jesus. I thank you for that. I thank you for this night. Something new and incredible will happen in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. I want to just spend a few moments on this word. See, see, we as Pentecostal, we talk a lot about speaking in tongues. And, and I, I, you know, we were in a prayer meeting and, and people were speaking in tongues. And, and sometimes I just listen because it's so awesome because I know that when you speak in tongues, we edify. And, and something happens in the spirit world, something new. And, and that was so beautiful. But sometimes we forget this part, what it uh, talks about. 
prophecy. Because I believe it's not a prophetic. It's, yeah, yeah, thus saith the Lord. It's not about just that prophecy. But it's a prophetic way of looking at a city. It's a prophetic way of looking at what God wants to do on planet Earth. It's actually seeing something that is not happening now. That it will happen. Your sons and your daughters and you being a son and a daughter will prophesy. All inclusive. And so I believe that the church, there is a church rising up that will speak prophetically into their city, their uh, community, the area that they live in. They will start seeing something that is in God. And the way we even speak will start changing. Gladstone is poised to change. Gladstone is poised to find Jesus. The, the, the cross speaks about his plan for Gladstone. And I'm going to be part of what God is going to do in Gladstone. I'm going to be part of the incredible move of God in Gladstone. It's a prophetic word. It is something that is not happening in its fullness tonight. It is happening, but maybe not in its fullness. There's greater things to come. And all of a sudden, there's a prophetic word that starts rumbling from the church. And that prophetic word is the word that is a creative word of God. It God always puts out his word before anything happens. Before the world ever came into being, he spoke the word and the world came to be. Before anything else happened, he always spoke and it came. It's the word of God that goes out of our mouth as a prophetic word that says Gladstone is poised for change. Gladstone is going to be a clean city. Gladstone is going to be a city where Jesus is honored. Gladstone is a place where we are going to see revival. Why couldn't it be that Gladstone becomes the first Christian city in, in Australia? Why couldn't it be? Could Gladstone be saved? Of course it could. That yes was a prophetic yes. Gladstone can be saved. I don't think we, God wants us to have any lesser vision like that. We can't do it alone. But it's God's plan to bring in laborers. But we need to have that voice. We are so audacious in our Thailand that we believe that God can save a city. While we have, a, with all our heart, we believe that Sungai Kolok in the south will be saved. I, I have no other belief in that. I'm a missionary for the whole city. I'm a pastor for the whole city. The people that work there, they are pastors and pastoring a city. Not the people who come to our doorstep on a Sunday. We pastor a city. We pastor an area, and God's put us there. We have seen total communities come to Christ. Everyone in that community, 100% come to know Jesus. And the church is the community. So if he can do it in community after community after community in different rural areas, could he not do it in a city? He can do it. And he's looking for men and women who will be that prophetic voice. Will you be that prophetic voice? It was all inclusive. Young, old. I'm not the oldest, I hope. Maybe I am. Anyway, young and old. And, and we all prophesy. I want to do now just something very different. Maybe, uh, you know, I come from Thailand, so you'll have to forgive me if I do things differently. And, and after today, you don't have to see me for a while. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I'd like us to do something very, very 
different. I'd like us to all stand for a moment. And I'd like us to start prophesying over this city. That's how I live in Thailand. It's subconscious. It's in my heart. Today, wherever I go, I'm the extension of your plan for this city. How many of you were here in the morning? Okay, quite a few. In the morning, I shared about the city, the most southern city in Thailand, Sungai Kolok, where we have been working, and the human trafficking that goes on there. The, the uh, thousands of girls that have been trafficked, and and uh, the, the tragedies of life, and how how darkness has ruled that city. And God has spoken to us that He wants that city cleaned, and He wants that city to come to know there is a Jesus. There are two main religions in that city. One is uh, the uh, Islam, 85% uh, uh, Muslims, and 14.8% uh, are Buddhist. 0.2% are Chinese religions. And uh, then there's us, about 10 of us working there in the south. And so, so um, the odds are against us, of course, you can understand. But uh, as I go to that city, I know that God has sent me. And I say, God, for this day, what have you got for me? And so I position myself in that city to a place where God can use me in what he wants to do. The first thing in a prophetic voice, utterance, prophetic way, you have to position yourself in a way that God can use you. If you stay at home in four rooms, you can speak as long as you like, and it might be a powerful word, but he wants to use your hands and your feet in that prophetic word also, okay? Often, yeah, you can speak to others, that's true, and God will use them, but he also wants you to see the harvest field. He also wants you to be part of that prophetic word, that prophetic utterance, that prophetic thing that will bring new birth. And I remember, this is only two months ago, three months ago, I remember going down south, and I had two Danish people, they wanted to, they said, can we tag along for a couple of days when you go down south? I said, okay, you can. I always feel a little bit uncomfortable when I have people tag me, not when you come as partners, but these were taggers. They, they weren't partners, you know, they just, they said, we want to be your shadow, you know, wherever you go. I said, okay, you can come with me. And we went down south, and uh, so I said, okay, uh, let me tell you about this city. There are a few thousand girls that have been, uh, uh, that work in the uh, red light district in the dark area of this city. I'm going to walk in those areas because I believe that in those areas we're going to see a church. And I believe the church is already being birthed in those places. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Wherever his glory comes down, there is a church being birthed right there. And so it might not look like our church here, but it certainly is, looks like him and what he is doing, setting people free and bringing deliverance. So, so this night we go out to walk, and uh, we walk a, a little distance, and... Uh, and a young woman who owns 15 girls, uh, always her name, she runs up to me and says, she says, Dad, Dad, she calls me Dad because she's got no other dad. Her dad lives uh, 2,000 kilometers away, and I've got to know her now. And, uh, and uh, she's one of those people that most people hate because she owns these girls. But I have come to see her part of her life and how she actually helps these girls. She's blinded by the industry, but she actually helps the girls in many ways. And it sounds a 
little bit crazy, but if you want to come down and, and uh, with me to the south, I will explain a bit more. No, I can't do it today. I don't have enough time. And she said, Dad, Dad, they've arrested 15 of my girls. Five of them have been released, but 10 of them still are in prison. And I said, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, mm, the trade is not uh, that legal, is it? And she said, no, no, no. They, didn't, they did not, they did not uh, come and arrest them because they were doing anything wrong. They came and arrested them because there wasn't enough fringe benefits for those who are in control. The mafia, the police, the military. They were, they girls weren't giving enough fringe benefits for them. So they got revenge on the girls and they arrested. They are in the local watch house. They are prisoners there. Then they've been there already a few days. And I don't know what to do. I have gone and I've spent the nights with them. They sleep on a concrete floor. And uh, they have a mat about uh, one millimeter thick. And they sleep on that. They live on bread and water. I carry from outside food for them. And, and uh, they are being, they are uh, there like scum of the world. Dad, can you come and encourage them? And I look and I say, God, uh, um, yes. Uh, what will that look like to the police force when I go as the only white man in the South to encourage 10 girls? How, what will they think? When they see that I know these girls, I have prayed for them before. I have seen God's glory come upon them. I've seen them cry. I, I prayed them through their relationships with their parents. I, all kinds. What, what will the police think when a Westerner walks in? See, a prophetic word will take you to a place where you've never been. Because now it's all of a sudden a creative word, what God is doing in the city. And I'm thinking for a moment, all the repercussions. If I go there, I become the enemy of the police. And I become an unwanted commodity in that city. And it requires one little bullet through my car window and I'm gone. And nobody asks any questions. This is southern Thailand. It is... Uh, you know, it's uh, cowboy country. It's, uh, it's wild down there. And uh, so I said to her, I'll come. I'll come. And, uh, and hoping in my heart that she wouldn't call me the next day. Five, we agreed I'll be there at five, uh, 11 o'clock. Five to 11, she calls me and said, Dad, are you coming? I said, I'll be there by 11, just close by. And I drove out, uh, drove there. I walk into the police station. And, and they say, uh, what's your business? I said, I want to go to the third floor where the girls are. They said, no access. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, but um, I'm here to see them. I'm here to encourage them. What? You're here to encourage them? Yep, I'm here to see them. And I heard the two police behind me. They didn't know I understand Thai. I heard them speaking that if we don't let him in, that's going to make us look really bad. Because he's a reporter, for sure. He's gone underground. If we do let him in, he might, he might take pictures, he might get uh, interviews there, and release it to the media of the, in the world. What do we do? And they're discussing this between the police. And I'm listening in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, so then a higher official walks in there. He said, we have no choice but to let them in. You have to, and my taggers are with me, you know. And so, so they, uh, they said, okay, 
we're going to let you, we're going to let you in. And I heard him say to his, uh, the, uh, the chief there, he said to his, uh, you know, the other police, make sure they empty their pockets, mobile phones, any equipment that you could do, any recordings or take photos. Make sure it's all on the table here, including their ID cards, which was my Australian license. And so I left it. We left all of that there and walked to the third floor. And there was all waiting and the girls. It was a room about four by four or five by five meters. There were 10 Lao girls there. There were girls from Burma. There were girls from Cambodia, all in the same trade. My heart sank. My heart broke. They were there like animals behind bars. They know nothing else. But he's going to build his church. There is a harvest field that we cannot see. And there was a prophetic word. The Lord, take me where you want me to go. And I stepped into a zone where I'm undone. Into a zone where I need God. The word had gone before. I will change this city. I will change from the darkest place to the highest place. I will change this city. They will come to know that there is a Jesus. And he's, God spoke to me and said, I want you to be extension of that change. I want you to take that change. No, I did not know it's going to be so uncomfortable when he moves. I, we got up there to the third floor and all us, all the girls, come here, come here. Dad's here, dad's here. I said, don't say that. It doesn't sound good to the police. The policeman was standing there. A police, big policeman, he was watching every move. And by now he knows I speak Thai, and, uh, which is a, might not be a positive thing anymore. And he's and another higher official sits over there. Two policemen watch every move that we make. I'm there in the watch house now, outside. I cannot go in. The girls come, they come around, and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I'm done, done. I am in a zone where I need you. The prophetic word has gone out. What do I do now? And he said, Ask of me and I will give you the word. And I said, Holy Spirit, I'm undone. Now I need you more than ever before. Give me a word for these girls. And all of a sudden, out of the innermost being, starts pouring out the word that he gave. It wasn't Eric's word. And I started encouraging them, talking about the future God has for them. And, and, and we, had a, we had church. That's the first time in that police station there was church. And, and, and God's presence could be felt. And, and uh, I finished preaching. I didn't go for an hour but I went for about five minutes. But there we were there. And, and everyone was listening. The police were listening. The girls were listening. They were there with their hands. The, the, Thai, the, girl, the Thai people go like this when they pray or when they are listening, really listening to something that touches their heart. they all there in a semicircle listening. And I'm sharing the word of God. And, and, and then I say, can I pray for you? And they say, please pray for us. So I prayed for them and the police. I put my hands the grill there with touching hands and God's presence is in that prison cell. The first prayer that has ever been prayed in that prison place. The first prayer that has been uttered. There is a harvest field where you cannot see a harvest field. Will you stay, take your step and walk into that uncomfortable zone in God to see that harvest come in? That day I was undone. While we were still coming down from that place, I get a phone call 
from the imams of that city. Uh, one of the highest official uh, in that city has just started a business. And I get a phone call and they say, we want you to be a guest of honor at 1 p.m. in this opening of this new business. Would you come? And they did not know where I was. I'd just be in the, uh, encouraging the girls of, uh, of uh, the night trade there. And then so from there, I went straight to this big, celebration of a new business opening hundreds of muslim men and women hundreds and hundreds a whole street was closed down big tents put up and and they saw me coming and and uh, there i become the guest of honor they all know that i'm a follower of jesus they all know that the, uh, i i believe in jesus being the son of god and they invite me there and and uh, i've got the two taggers with me and uh, and then the, the imam from Kuala Lumpur said, let's pray. And they, because the Muslims pray like we pray, and they started praying, and we started praying in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the presence of God was so tangible in that place. And my tagger said to me, Eric, can that be the Holy Spirit? I said, who do you carry with you? <laughs> what spirit did you bring? They said, the Holy Spirit. So isn't that the Holy Spirit? Yes, it's the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, we felt the Holy Spirit in that place. You're a carrier of His Spirit. Will you walk in the prophetic? Will you walk in that place where you have never been before? Because prophetic is something that you have not done before and you cannot do it without Him. It's a word that goes out. It's a creative word. And often that creative word requires you to step into that creative zone of God, of his plan for your life and the people around your life. You, you will become vulnerable. It's scary. You're out of control. And you are totally dependent on him. After the prayer was finished, they took me. Uh, they left my taggers out. They took me in to eat with the imams of Kuala Lumpur and the other big cities of Malaysia and of Thailand. And there were about 20 of us in that room. And I had the great honor of having dinner or lunch dinner kind of a thing with them. Sat there for two hours approximately. God opens doors where no man can open those doors. Will you become an extension of his prophetic voice, his prophetic word. There is a need for the church to arise. The Bible says in the last days, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Their life is a prophetic life unto a nation. Their life is a prophetic life unto a city. Their life is a prophetic life uh, to their schools, to the businesses around them. Their life becomes the extension of the creative word, what God wants to do in and around our lives in the, in the world that God has brought around us. So will you become that prophetic word. And I believe we all say yes, but it requires change. It requires change, not just sometimes. How many people want change? How many people really want to walk into change? How many people want to change the way you do life? The time you eat breakfast, the time you eat lunch, and the time you eat dinner. How many people, thank you, how, how many people say, I, I'm prepared for change. I might have to start 
being awake during the night than sleeping during the day. See, see, we all want change, but very few of us want to change. I want Pastor James to change for my benefit. That, that's, I don't know, maybe I'm alone in this. But we, we want our children to change, but we don't want to change. Okay? Isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. So, so God is asking his church to change. He has given the Holy Spirit and the power of change that lives within us so that it, his change for a city can work in outwork through our lives. So your sons and your daughters will prophesy. We all will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Anybody under 25, under 30, God wants you to see visions. Vision is the driving force. The prophetic is a creative force, and it causes us to do something then. But when you have a vision, it's a more powerful thing. You become a visionary. You become something, you see something that no one else can see. All of a sudden, young men, their whole life, their whole future changes, young men and women. The way they do life changes because they have a vision from God. My life changed in 1993 when God spoke to us about going to Thailand. The way I do life changed. I used to be a businessman. I could make money until I lost it all. Every businessman at least goes one circle through losing everything and then making it again. And, and I was on this down, down spiraling and losing money more than I was making. But I couldn't make money. And, and God said, I want you to change now. I want you to go to that mountain where I will fill you with my spirit and the passion for the lost. What a change from passionate about building buildings. I love buildings. It's in my blood. If you take a sample of my blood, it will spell buildings. And, and I love buildings. I've been asking about what you're doing here, where you're going to explain, how you're going to do it. You know, what you, will it look the same or will it look different? Buildings is me. But God spoke, I want you to change. On that mountain alone, that's where the change will come. That's where I will fill you with the passion. You will not build buildings, but you will build people. It will look different. You will come undone, but you will come done with me and do what I have destined you to do. So when young men see visions, their whole future changes. And young women. Uh, they're all inclusive. Young men and women, when you see visions, all of a sudden, it's all about Jesus and how you can fulfill the destiny for your generation. It's not about me anymore, how I can make money. I used to think of how much money I can make. Take it to the mission field. Carry, I, I dreamt of carrying millions of dollars to the mission field. And God said, I don't want your money. I want you. I want you to have my vision. I want you to carry my dream. I want you to do be my extension. I own the money. There is no issue with money. There's only issue. Will there be people who will walk in obedience? 
And so, so tonight, even tonight, God is saying to young people, anybody under 50, will you have a vision? Will you walk in my vision? The younger you are, the easier it is for you to walk in that vision that God gives you. Once we get a bit older and we have four or five or six kids or two kids, whatever it may be, it ties us down. And it's okay. God uses us in that position. But when you're young, you can change the course of your life to fulfill his plan for your life. Your young men will see vision. And your old men will have dreams. Now, how many people dream a lot here? Put up your hand. You, li you like dreaming? You, got, you get good dreams or nightmares? Bit of both, 50-50. You, ha you have good dreams? I very seldom dream, so I don't count myself uh, old man. You, you dream dreams? No, okay. So, so I only dream dreams if I eat too much pizza in the nighttime. You know, it says that your old men dream dreams. This is what I believe it uh, means. We old men, we see what God wants to do, and we dream of the generation that will go out there and fulfill the task that we are part of. The dream that we have for the young men, the dream that we have for the young ladies, the dream of you becoming the extension of what God has started to do, standing on our shoulders to reach out and going further. I believe that we need to speak the dreams because when, when you have a dream, do you want to tell anybody about your dream or not? You want to dream? Yeah, yeah. Who do you tell it to? Oh, yeah, yeah. You like listening to a dream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I know, I know. My wife has lots of them. <laughs> She's not here, so I can talk about her. Anyway, my, my wife, she loves to dream, you know, and she has a dream. And in the morning, she sits me, you sit there, I sit here, and, and, uh, and, um, and then she starts telling me the dream. And, and uh, if it's a very profound dream, they, we don't stop discussing it in the morning. When I come home or we meet again for dinner, we discuss it more. Well, she speaks and I'll listen. And, and then comes the next day and, and she talks more about the dream. And after a week later, she comes and says, Eric, what do you think that dream means? And I think, hmm, I have no idea. Some of the dreams she's had are very godly and very profound. But some of the dreams are just hogwash. <laughs> They're just a dream, you know. And, that, uh, I, I, and I love to listen to her dreams, at least sometime, when I had the patience. But, you know, we have dreams. I don't think it talks about that kind of a dream there. I think it talks about a dream where we dream where his church will go. Where we dream where our young people win, end up. Where our young people will not end up on the streams, but we dream that they will fulfill God's plan for their generation. And we'd, we'd speak these dreams into young people's lives. I have a dream. I have a dream for you. You don't know my dream for you. But you know what my dream is for you, CJ? That you will fulfill God's plan for your generation. I also have a dream sitting in the car, and then we came out, and you were sharing about your back. You know what my dream was when you were sharing? God's going to heal you. I've got a dream for your life. You will go further than I have gone. You will do more in God. It's not a comparison, but you will take on what God is doing in Gladstone from where the church has left off. You will walk. You people, your young people, 
you will take it on from where it has been left on. I have a dream. I have a dream that my son and my daughter will one day be in Thailand and take the work on where we will leave it off. It will stand on our shoulders like I stood on my father-in-law's shoulders. He labored 40 years there. I had the honor of standing upon his shoulders and taking the work further now into nations. What an honor. I have a dream that our next generation will come to know Jesus. I have a dream for Gladstone that we will have state schools that all the children are Christian there. He's done it in Thailand. We have schools, Buddhist schools, that are 100% Christian. All the kids are Christian. And the Thai government is looking for Christian teachers into the Buddhist schools because the Buddhist teachers can't teach the kids because they are all Christian. They will not bow down to Buddha. They will not uh, worship Buddha. They say, we are Christians. We don't bow down to the Buddhist idols. I have a dream that in Australia, we don't fight the government about do we have this, but our children will know Jesus. Our children will be so endowed by the Holy Spirit, and they will so know Jesus that the light will shine in the schools. I have a dream for you, young man. God's hand is upon you. What's your name? Aiden. God's hand is upon you in a very special way, Aiden. Not one day when you are old, but today God's hand is upon you. He wants to use you, Aiden, just the way you are, Aiden. His hand and his glory is upon you. And you just pray in your simple way and say, God, just use me in school, and he'll use you. He'll use you in a special way. And all you young people, he'll use you. I have a dream. Older men, older women, do you carry a dream for this generation? Do you carry a dream that Gladstone will be saved? What is the dream that you carry? Is it about a car or a boat or a house? Is it a dream what you can get? Or is it the dream of a generation that will go and fulfill the purposes of Jesus? What is the dream that you carry tonight? I believe we are to carry the dream of his dream. In our hearts. I'm not against us dreaming of a new car and of a house. That's okay. That's not a problem. But there is a greater dream that God wants us to carry. And your old men will dream dreams. In the last days, I will give my spirit on my servants, both men and women, and they will prophesy. This was given to the church 2,000 years ago. And it was said that in the last days, this is what my church will look like. They will prophesy. They will speak over a city. They will speak over a nation. It will be a creative word. It will be a powerful word. It will be my word. There will be a spirit of prophecy upon the church. The way the church will do life and church life will be a prophetic way of doing it. They will have insight and understanding that nobody else knows about. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. There will be young men rising up in our churches, and they will be so full of vision that it scares us. When we were going to Thailand, my mother-in-law and said, she said, Eric, I don't know if you can ever make it. God spoke to us about an unreached people's group, unknown 
unreached, living on the borders of Laos, came as refugees over the border. They were shot at of a people group I had, didn't know. I only have a dot on map. I didn't have a city. I didn't have a God spoke to us and said, I will save that unreached people's group. I want you to go to them. I had a dream, but my dream was also a vision. I had a vision of going up to those mountains and being the extension and doing good what Jesus did. And that's what we started doing. I found out where that tribe, the Tim tribe was. And in, uh, in our first five years in Thailand, we saw around 300 people come to know Christ and unreached people's group. They the people I worked with it were the oldest Christian in the whole tribe. They had never known Christ. We were able to build with them the first tin church in Thailand. You're part of this. And now, years later, there's at least a thousand of those people who have come to Christ. And they are reaching their own people in Thailand, in Laos, for Jesus. They have matured into a powerful church. I get reports every week of people coming to Christ. Every week. Uh, this person gave their heart to the Lord. This family. Will you live what God has called you to live? Will you live what God has called you to do? Tonight, I would like to ask anybody under maybe under the age of 25 or maybe 30 if you feel young, to come to the front in a moment. And then I want us to start prophesying over their lives. I would like to speak words that are dreams upon them. I would like to ask you older men and you older women, uh, please speak your dreams into these young people's lives. Tell them what you dream. Tell them of the generation that they will be, of the generation that God has called them to be, the generation that will fulfill his plan. Tell them it will mean so much to you guys. See, God's hand is so powerfully upon you. He has anointed you and appointed you. There's a vision inside of you that drives you. Yeah, I know. There's a vision inside of you. It's God's vision. And you've said, when will it come to pass? Fear not, my child. It will come to pass. You will fulfill that plan that God has for you. You will fulfill it. You say, how? You don't know how. No, of course you don't know. Because it's bigger than you. Remember the stories I told you tonight. God taking me into that prison. I didn't know about that. If God would have told me about that, I would not have gone into that city. I wouldn't have placed myself into that place. Let's all stand up. Could I have there anybody, let's say under 30, to come to the front here.